Welcome everyone to God for Thought, the place where we put it in God's perspective in our everyday lives according to God's will and His Word. So, today we'll be in Daniel chapter 3, and a lot of you are already going to know what this story is. It's about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace, and how God delivered them from it. But we're not going to be getting into that specifically uh, in depth at this time. We're only going to be going to the first five verses because in these first five verses, God really showed me a lot through it, and we're gonna I'm going to reveal it unto you. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot that could be t- taken out in my study. And before we start, actually, I'm gonna we're going to go in a word of prayer. So if you wouldn't care to bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you under this moment, thanking you for this opportunity that we have to hear from you, Lord. Father, I pray that anyone who listens to this podcast, they don't hear my voice, they don't hear my spirit, Father, and my opinions, but they hear the Holy Spirit that's on the inside, Lord, because that's what changes people's lives. Not me, not the president, not the government, but you, Father, and only you. Father, I pray that through this sermon here, through this word that you've given, that you just continue to flow more and more as it goes. And also, I pray that everyone that is here to listen to it, even 10 years from now, will get something of it. I know that while I was studying this, Lord, that you just revealed so much to me, and it it really touched me in a lot of ways, touched my heart, made me realize a lot of things. And it really... uh put into perspective of, you know, how important these things are, even if it seems little at first. It could be easily missed, Father. But I pray that as I go, that you would just unpack everything in a way that only you could do it, Lord, so that you could change people's lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so we'll get started in verse 1 here. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, for those of you that don't know, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon, and at that time, there's a lot of people that he's over. And it speaks of, in verse 4, people, nations, and languages. So, there's people that are from different nations. They have they speak different tongues, so they have different languages that they speak. So, there's a lot of people he's over, and he's the top guy, so to speak, of that area at that time. So, and then his first few words here says, the, Made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. Now, I, would t- I researched this, and three score cubits is 60 cubits, but the cubits is equal... One cubit is equal to 18 inches, approximately, in our current measurement here in the United States. So, this image that he made, we'll say statue, was about approximately 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And I want to make a point to this, that Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar made this golden image, which was so big, and immediately I had this thought, well, he probably thought the bigger it was, the more importance it must have, the more um, value it'll have, sort of speak, in his life and the people who will worship it, as you'll see in verse 4 and 5 here. But we're not going to get to that yet. Also, it says he's made of gold. So if any of you that have gold, you knew, if you have any, if you bought any, whether it be a ring, a necklace, or maybe gold-plated something or another, there's a lot you can get gold. But uh, it's valuable, you know, it's expensive, it's hard to come by 
it's rare, which makes it expensive. And so, you know, back then, gold was expensive too. Gold must have been of value. And I think the king was trying to make a point here, making something of valuable as far as the material it was made out of, but also huge to the point where, wow, that thing must be something, must be something great, must be something that we're going to be able to use in our lives to help change us, to help impact, or else it wouldn't be made. And I feel like that's what the king's mindset was in that time, because since he made this image, you'll see here later on, it talks about worshiping it. And as far as that goes, he didn't believe in our God today. He he believed in his own gods, and he believed in this image was going to do stuff, going to be able to change his life and get him to where, fill that empty hole that he has that he is trying to fill with this image and the gods that he believes in. So in verse 2, you'll see Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather. Actually, before we get into that, isn't it weird how we'll do this kind of thing too? Like We don't have the resources, obviously, to make these big, giant statues to worship. But we see something here on earth, or we see something that works here on earth. And we'll see something that we like, something that we get addicted to. Not necessarily drugs or anything like that, but something that we just like. And then it becomes to a point where we almost worship it because it's of so high value that it's, to us, it's done so much for us that we're going to worship it in a sense. And we're going to make it seem as this big, giant thing that's going to impact our lives for the better when in reality all it is is just taking our time. All it is is just wasting our time or getting us to dead ends constantly. Now see, it's going to fulfill that hole temporarily. And it does that. And that's, you know, maybe that's why a lot of us keep doing it. Because it will temporarily fill that hole. But in return, after after the minor effects fall off, we end up empty and usually emptier than before. Because we keep thinking, what are we doing wrong? And that's just something that, I don't know, just kind of came up. But anyways, verse 2. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of province of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. So, Nebuchadnezzar's mindset. I'm going to make this big, giant image. It's going to be of value. We're going to make it the most expensive that we can make it, and we're going to make it the biggest we can make it. It's going to be seem really important. And to further that importance, I'm going to bring the important people of this of Babylon, the positions of power to the dedication. They should be the ones to see it first. Now, before I go on, uh, see, God doesn't work like that. Our God doesn't work like that. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter what position you held, you hold. It doesn't matter what is in your bank account. It doesn't matter the cars, the houses, all the assets you have on this earth because the thing is, and I think it's really important to realize this. Everything that you have was God's to begin with. Everything good in your life anyways. That includes um, your cars. That includes your children. That includes your job. That includes your transportation. That includes all these good things that we have for you know, just recreation. Our uh, video games, our TVs, our... Um, you know, our restaurants that we have today are ways of getting around. I've, I've turned transportation five times, but I'm just getting repetitive. But it's also that 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 we need to survive. You know, our every breath that we breathe is from God. 
and every ounce of money or every uh, amount of money that we make, whether we work or whether we own a business or whatever it may be, is from God. And that being said, why would God want us to give him what he's already given us? See, Nebuchadnezzar made this image of gold, which is from God, and he made it big. He made it from gold, and you'll see here in verse 4 and 5 that you, you are to worship it. And I feel like that the material it's made of is also the, a sig symbol of importance, a symbol of why you should worship, because it's made of this material that's hard to come by, and because of that, it should be worshipped. But it doesn't matter of how much you spend on it. It doesn't matter how big this thing is that you have. It doesn't matter what you have on this earth because nothing on this earth, no matter if it's gold, silver, bronze, your iPhone, your cars, your houses, your jobs, it doesn't matter if it's your best, it doesn't matter if it's your favorite blanket that you had ever since you were a kid. All that doesn't matter to God as far as getting his gift, receiving his gift of salvation. What matters is the stuff that you can't get back. What matters is the stuff that matters in the moment that you can't really go back and redo as far as, uh, you know, time. You'll never get back to your time. Uh, faith in the moment, you know, whenever you're going through a struggle. Say you're already following God and you're going through this season of struggle. You're going through this season of uh, you feel stuck. Okay, so you a lot of people, you know, it's hard to stick out. But it's hard to keep that faith. But... That is the whole faith thing I can go on, but that's another sermon there. Okay, so, anyways, all I'm trying to say is what the world sees as important is not of importance to God. What matters to God is your faith, your heart, and your motivation. So, Verse 3, Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So immediately, I feel like, you know, he's sent after them, and then immediately they come. How many times have we done that? How many times have we seen stuff of importance to us to the point where it becomes our God in a way, in a sense? That whenever it calls to us, we just go right to it. Even, not necessarily in this situation, but even in times when it comes to addiction, you know it's not good for you. But when it's there, you're going to jump right on it. Every single time until you get delivered from the Lord. Until you want help. Until you want to get out of that. But that's so crazy because you know no one ever wants to do that from the beginning. You know, no one ever says, hey, I'm going to get addicted to meth. Or, hey, I'm going to get addicted to pornography. Or, hey, I'm going to get, you know what, I'm just going to get become an alcoholic in the next week or the next year. No one has that mindset. No one wants to get that bad or wants to get to that level. It always starts out with something small. And then we allow it, we allow it to justify the reason, we allow, we justify ourselves with excuses. And then in turn it just keeps getting worse and it keeps getting deeper. That's, that first uh, little sip becomes 
you know, your whole check wasted on it because your body needs it and that you feel like you need it at that point. You feel like it gives you, it fills that hole that's empty. And I feel like the king here is trying to do that with this image. He's not only trying to bring himself, trying to fill his his own spiritual hole, spiritual God-sized hole with this image, but he's also trying to bring it to others. He's also, because he's believing in it so much, putting so much faith into this thing, he's also trying to get the attention to others, and you'll see it becomes more than just the the uh, important people of Babylon in this time, the positions of power, I'll say. Verse 4, Then an herald cried out, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. So that being said, people, nations, languages, there's a lot of people, and I mean a lot, a lot of people, that this king is over. And the herald cried out, To you it is commanded. So right then and there it tells you that it is, you really don't have a choice. It is commanded. You don't have a choice in the matter whatsoever. And to me, that's just not how God works. You know, God is never going to force upon you, you know, anything. That's why we have free will. He, he loves us enough to give us free will. And it's up to us to choose whether we accept him. And it's up to us to choose if once we have accepted, if we're going to continue our journey. It's up to us that in that time of struggle, if we're going to get back up. It's, gonna, and the, it's up to us, the choice that we make, choices that we make. When things don't seem right or whenever God's knocking on our door if we haven't accepted him yet to make that choice and the thing is if it was the other way around then it wouldn't be true it wouldn't be a a relationship that required love because you know he wants God wants our unconditional love he doesn't want a forceful type of love because is that really love if it's forced upon you no it's not. So God gives us the choice, and once we choose to follow him, then opportunities just open up day by day. Just like this right now. You know, this is a great opportunity that I have to be able to speak to whoever is listening. And I thank you, and I've, I really do feel like in this message, God will reach out to you. God will do something in your life. But you got to choose it. You'll have a choice. Just make the right one. It's going to be simple. It's going to be easy. In most cases, we make things too complicated. I've done that many times in a lot of things. We get overwhelmed. I do this a lot. I have some people that can vouch for me too. I jump from 0 to 100 in most cases, but this time I made a difference. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you. You know, here recently, I, in the past two or I don't know how many months, four or five months, six months, probably longer than that, I've been running. I've been running for my calling because I felt like I wasn't enough. And because of that, then I started doing these other things I probably shouldn't have been doing. I've been in sin. And it just kind of got to a point where I just didn't want to go to church anymore. And I still haven't been yet, but I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm making it a point too. But anytime I ever thought about church, I always feel like, well, you don't need to right now. I need to fix this. And I got this, and this came to me today in a message that, you know, you're never not enough. Right, Because if you were actually not good enough, you wouldn't care. You wouldn't care to be a better. You wouldn't actually feel that you're not enough. You just wouldn't have a second thought of it. You would just do what you do and that'd be it. But uh, one morning, since we're speaking this, I'm testifying this to you all. One morning on the way to work, I wasn't driving. And I just, out of the blue, bam, I had this sudden urge that I just needed to pray. So I prayed. And I spoke to God and told him, you know, 
I know that I've been running and I know that I need to get back to you and I know that you keep calling me and I know that I just keep ignoring. Because many times before, he would knock on me. He would knock on my heart. More times than I could even probably remember. But every single time, I would always use an excuse to back it, to justify me not actually pursuing him, seeking him. But for some reason, I just started praying and then it just... I felt his presence and I cried and and now I just I'm doing more than I ever have because this time I'm not going to do the 0 to 100 because every time I did that ever since I jumped from step 1 to step 100 I become overwhelmed because I'd get into these things get to beginning these things and I wasn't ready for it yet not that I would never be able to do this not that I wasn't good enough for it but because it wasn't my time for this yet you know and, you know, God showed that to me. And it took a long time for me to understand it and actually realize it. But yet, here we are. And I'm speaking to you at this moment. I didn't even know I was going to speak this until a few hours ago. I, you know, I would, I knew that I had prepared this sermon to be spoken, to be shared. But I wanted to wait in God's time because it's about His will. It's about His glory, not mine. And so, yeah, here we are today, and now I'm just, and I just really a blessing. It's, I'm really lucky, aren't we all lucky to have a God like we do that continues to give us opportunities, even though many times we ignore or deny them. All right, so verse 5. That it, So in verse 4, he cried aloud to all these people under the king, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbuck, Sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, hath set up. We're also going to read verse 6. I didn't, I messed up there. And whoso falleth not down and worship the same hour shall be cast into the midst of the fire. So right here in verse 5, this is the commandment. When you hear the sound, when you hear the music of any sort, you're going to fall down and worship this golden image of importance that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, hath set up. So there's two things there. You must fall down and worship this golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had obviously put a lot of time and effort into because he's seen it as its worth to the world. Because the material is worth, the material is valuable. The size of it makes it more valuable. The bigger, the better, the bigger, the more expensive, the more worthy it is of worship. Not just to the king, but to all that are under him. And he, since he believes that so much, he commands these people, whether they want to or not, to worship every single time they hear the sound of music. And speaking of that, our God isn't worthy of worship only on Sundays and Wednesdays. That being said, we don't have to have a signal to worship God. So if you're the type that goes to church on Sunday mornings and goes to church on Wednesdays, and that's all you do, you're, you're, I just want to let you know that you're spiritually malnourished. You need to get into the Word daily. You need to study daily. You need to pray daily, nightly, in between even. You see, God is always constantly watching over our lives, so how come we can't give Him more time of our lives, of the life that He gives us, of the goodness that He gives us? We're going to spend more time with the things that He gives us, but not spend more, but not spend that time worshiping the one who gave it to us in the first place. Now, I'm not saying I've never done this. I've done this many times. But it's still, it's just 
why I don't know why we do it, but like it's like why is it only Sunday mornings and Wednesdays? Why is that the only time of worship that you that you receive that you give God? Is it because you feel as if God has only given you the goodness on those days? No. He's given you the goodness on those days and every day between those days. Every single second you're here is an opportunity. Every breath you're breathing is from Him. Every thought you have in your head to worship, or not to worship, to to witness, to preach, it's from Him. All these things that we have physically, you know, our cars, our houses, our ways of transportation to get from A to B to where we need to be, uh, our jobs, how we make money to pay for these things, the food that we are able to go and get so conveniently. It's all from God. But we still, a lot of Christians today, a lot of people today, only worship God on Wednesdays and Sundays as if it needs to be a signal. It needs to be a specific time and place for worship. I just want to let you all know also that the church that you go in, the church, the church is not the building. Church is the people that are grouped together. You could have church with two, with you and another one, you and one other person, if the motivation is right. If you were seeking God together and fellowshipping and worshiping together, you know that's church. You don't have to be in the building. You don't have to be in physical in a physical place. Right here, we're having church because we're reading the Word, and I'm giving them a sermon that God has spoke upon me to speak to reveal it unto you, and that's just. That is church. We keep looking at things. We keep thinking the physical side of things is what things are. That's what's important. No, 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 no. You know what faith is? Faith is the evidence of things unseen. It's knowing that even though we can't see God moving in our life at this moment, that later on, or maybe it's so obvious to the fact that we can perceive this blessing. It's like, wow, God, you just, I didn't even know. All this time I thought, you were not even paying attention to my life, and here you were choreographing this amazing thing for me. And then it's a humbling experience because you feel convicted because guess what you did? You was trying to look at the things that you could see. You was trying to look at the people that were persecuting you for believing in what you believe because, oh, you're going to believe this God, but you're going to make seven twenty-five an hour and have a family. And how are you going to do that? Huh? How's your God going to be able to do do something for you. I mean, you're going to have to pay your house bill. You're going to have to pay your car insurance. You're going to have to pay for food and all this stuff. But see, always God always provides a way when there is no way. And you'll see that the further we get into this passage, if you haven't read it already, but a lot of you already know about the fire and the furnace. But I won't reveal that unto you until later because that's a different sermon at a different time. But anyways, in verse 6, it says, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So they give him an ultimatum of sorts. So it doesn't matter if you really want to. In most cases, he gave them like a 99.99999% sure that uh, if they didn't do this, they're going to be dead. And so I feel like that was the motivation for a lot of people, even if they didn't want to. The most people that believe there's only three that didn't in this story. So... That being said, you know, why is it that we allow sure death or sure destruction in our lives, sure risk that we don't know what's coming, but we feel God pushing us on this thing or 
to do this thing or to witness to this person, but we don't because we feel like the risk is too much. Why are we like these people whenever we have God backing us up? Well, I believe it's more of a faith issue than a... Um, not a faith. I believe it's more of a fear issue than a faith issue. I feel like it's both, but I feel like it's more fear in that situation because you're allowing yourself to, you're allowing fear to overtake what God has given you. The blessing on the other side of this risk and quotes, but you don't take, you don't have the faith to realize in this, in the moment anyways. Well, these people don't, they don't have the faith to realize that the true God will deliver them. And if they didn't, if he doesn't deliver them, then you know, whatever happens, basically, God is in control and God knows what he's doing and that whatever happens is what's best for you and that it will be okay. And then on the other side of this struggle, this hardship, this risk that you're taking, sure blessing is to come and bigger than ever because you had the faith and you didn't cower away at the sure death that the king had put upon you. And this whole these these six verses right here, so much could be taken from them. So much, you know. It's like as far as the the king's perspective, you know. God was speaking to me about this too, as on the last sermon on the later verses on this, you know. I feel like a lot of people miss what Nebuchadnezzar is going through in his mind. You know, in his mind in the first verse, he's he's making this image because he has this God-sized hole and he's trying to fill it with something of this world, which a lot of us do. We can relate to Nebuchadnezzar. Not that we're going to be able to do exactly what he did because we don't have the resources, but if we did, we might. God's making a point here that it doesn't matter about not only what you have in life. It doesn't matter about how, what the job you have, the position of power. You're not more important than anyone else, according to God. You are not better than anyone else. I'm not better just because I'm speaking. I'm not better because God has given me this opportunity. He gives us all opportunities day in and day out. And also, it's the fact... Oh, I had something else I was going to say, but... But the truth is, you know, we all have the opportunity to be great for God. We all have the opportunity. We just got to take it. There's going to be all, there's always going to be risk. And, you know, a lot of times if you're in the church, if you're in the pews, you don't want to get up and walk up there to accept Christ because you feel like someone's going to judge you. I'll tell you what, if someone judged you for that, then they're in the wrong. They're going to be held accountable. And most of the time, you're not even going to know it. They wouldn't tell you. A lot of, a lot of people are too coward to tell you. They're the ones that need to be fixing, not you, because you're making that choice. You're humbling yourself. You're making it, you're making yourself open, vulnerable. And that's what it takes a lot of times to receive the blessing. You have to become vulnerable. You have to allow God to come in, to intervene, to remove things in your life. That's the risk part. He's got to do some removing for you to make room for the receiving. But then... We won't do this, but we'll still pray for years and years and years on this one thing. And we're asking, why hasn't he done it? Why aren't you doing this? And he's sitting here saying, I keep trying, but you're not letting. 
You're not letting me. You're not allowing me to. Like I said, he will not force anything upon you, even the blessings that we have. And as far as what we can handle, we only have room for so much. That's why we have a season and a time for everything. That's in Ecclesiastes. You can see that in Ecclesiastes. Hold on, I have it. This is, this is another uh, sermon that I was given. But in Ecclesi- I think it's Ecclesiastes 22. It speaks of, it says, talks about how, I forgot what I just said. Hold on a second. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. To every thing there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And I can't really, I could go into that, but I'm not going to because that's a different sermon there. But basically that's just saying, you know, there's a time and a reason and a place to do whatever is happening in your life. To embrace it, to not run from it. And also to allow, you know, one of these things is to allow God to remove things from your life. If you want to move on to the next chapter, if you want to get closer, if you want to take that next step to get closer to God, to, to further your walk, to further, you have to die in the flesh more. You know, to grow in Christ is to die in the flesh. See, it's the removing of your flesh. It's the removing of the worldly person that is here on earth. And you're growing in the spiritual sense. You're growing in your, your, spiritual, your spiritual self, the eternal, the eternal life that you've been given is spiritual. It's not physical. That's why I say the things on this earth you won't be able to take with you in heaven or hell. So it doesn't matter what you have on this earth. If you don't believe and if you don't have God in your heart, and you're, you're, it's sure, you're, it's a sure eternal death. And you know, I'm not afraid to say it. That's just what the Bible preaches, and that's what the Bible teaches. That's what I'm going to teach. And, you know, I'm probably just going to end it here. It's been 30 minutes. I felt like God's done what he, like God's flown. I feel like that's, that's all he has for me. So before we go, though, um, I just want to let it be known that you are enough. God's telling me that someone here is feeling like they're not enough. Someone's listening, thinking in this time that they've messed up too bad this time. That, yeah, they went to church maybe, and yeah, I started praying and I started doing this, but I went back to my old ways. I'm not enough. God's here to tell you that his arms are open, but will you accept them? you got to make that choice. And the risk is just the devil trying to keep you where you're at. Don't let the enemy get to you. Don't let your fears, don't let your doubt, don't let your worry allow to take over what God has for you. Because I am sure and positive that after that, on the other side of that risk, you'll feel God's presence and it'll overwhelm you. It's happened to me many times. And then to continue on that and not go back. You have to keep consistent. You have the day in and day out. You can't do it one day and then just stop and expect to do it. You have to do it day in and day out. And you'll see God moving. You'll see God growing you. You'll see God revealing to you the things that you didn't see before, but you're reading the same word. That's because we, as we grow, the more spiritual, you know, the more we grow in spirit, the more we grow in the Holy Spirit. As we're dying to the flesh, the more of that spiritual, the God lens that we have. I don't know. 
the lens of God as it's in the Bible too. I don't know the exact scripture. But once you're saved, you have this lens like Jesus had. You don't see things like you used to. You see things of, you know, you don't see the negative a lot of times. That's for me. I don't see the negative in a lot of things. I see the positive. Because the thing is, there's always a negative and a positive to everything. And what you choose to see out of that, in whatever situation, what you choose to believe, what you choose to have faith in, the negative side of, oh, it's, uh, I'm not going to be able to get out of this, or the positive, uh, it seems like I can't get out of this, but God's going to make a way no matter what it is. I mean, we're talking about the same God who parted the sea. That not even the ground was wet. It was dry. For a whole group of people to pass the sea whenever they were getting chased by, I don't even know who, but an, I'll say an army of people. Whenever there was no way, God made a way. And the same goes for you today. I believe that God's trying to get somebody. I believe that God is trying to let you know that in this time of stuck that you're in you seek God he'll provide a way and you'll know when you see it anyways let's go into prayer I hope you all enjoyed this I've done, I haven't done this in a long time I had another one probably years a year ago but we'll get down into it we'll get into the prayer Heavenly Father we thank you for this day thank you for this uh, service this morning I really feel like that you you know had your spirit flowing through me Lord I've, I pray Father that someone here who's listening even if it's just one Lord that they got what you had to reveal to them and I pray Father that whenever they're revealed to that choice with that choice Father of if they follow you Lord of to follow you or to follow what they have been following and just end up back in that same hole in that same empty feeling just like King Nebuchadnezzar here I pray, Lord, that they choose you, Father. I pray that you're able to make make them great for your name, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you let them know who's under control. And you let them know that ever since, that since they chose you instead of their past ways, that they'll be to gain, Lord. As long as they have you in their focus. Father, thank you once again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.